Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's December 8, 2014 and this is episode 451. Today we bring you a great conversation with photographer and educator Darlene Hildebrandt with lots of advice on the quality of light, making the most of shooting with natural light and some great off-camera flash tips as well. For links and show notes, go to the blog at mbp.ac slash 451. Okay, so today I'm joined by Darlene Hildebrandt and she's a photographer and educator calling from Nicaragua. So welcome to the show, Darlene. Thanks, Martin. <laughs> yes, I am in sunny, warm Nicaragua. We completed a photography tour here a couple weeks ago, and we're we're just hanging out here because it's much warmer here than back home in the Canadian winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, I, uh, I I can see the appeal in both uh, both sides of that coin. Um, I love the cold, but it, it you know for just daily life, it's it can be a bit taxing. Yes. Um. So p- people probably also know you from your guest appearances on Twip. We've we've been on there together a few times. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to mm-hmm. be you're not going to be new to the audience. Um, and I'm on Twip coming up soon as well. Are you on next week? Um, no, on the fifteenth of December, ah, I believe. Okay. So or whenever that comes out. So probably a week after you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm, um, I'm on next and, week. And if they're um, and if they're a reader of of Digital Photography at School, of course, I'm the managing editor over there as well as my own website yeah you you wear many hats i do <laughs> and uh, I, I know that it keeps you very busy so thanks for your time today um what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about the quality of light because i, I know you've you've got a, mm-hmm. a product that you're just bringing out that will probably be of interest that we'll talk about so we're going to talk about the quality of light um cool and uh jump into a few tips for the for the listeners as well okay so where do you would you like me to start? How about starting? Let's let's sort of st- take a step back for a moment and tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in photography, and what sort of genres you shoot in, etc. Sure. Um, right now, I'm I'm sort of in the teaching genre and travel photography, uh, but over the course of the years, I've been doing photography in a professional capacity for over 26 years. Hmm. Um, you know, formally trained, went to college, all that stuff. Um, I've done portraits and weddings. I did that for a number of years. Um, then I sort of, you know, got tired of the wedding biz. But I really love photographing people. So I still stayed involved with, you know, photo- uh, portrait photography. And um, I've also done commercial, food, industrial. Uh, I did fine art for a few years where I sold my stuff in galleries. I still have some stuff in galleries back home. Um, I've done fine art shows, you know, across my city and so on. So I've kind of dipped my dipped my toe into a lot of ponds, as it were, mm. in, in the photography realm. And um, right now, I really enjoy the teaching aspect um, and, and focusing a, a lot on people photography. I teach um, a couple of different courses locally where I do a travel course and there's an element of people photography. Um, for me, like when I'm traveling, I love to photograph the local people. And um, a lot of times I get questions in my classes and, um, you know, on my tours about lighting and so on. So I developed a lighting course uh, mm. specifically about portraits. So that's a little bit of my history. I still enjoy people photography and I, I do it now as an aspect of travel photography. 
Wow. And, and I guess that's, um, that's going to be one of the main reasons why you'll, you'll enjoy the freedom of working with speedlights. Exactly. Um, I actually, most of the time, prefer working with natural light, which mm. is what we're going to talk about today. Um, in the course that you mentioned that we built, which is portrait lighting on location, we I actually have a partner, um, in, a partner instructor, and he does the off-camera flash bit, and I do the natural light bit. And it's a really good compliment because I find that um, a lot of times people will jump into using speed lights or using off-camera flash without sort of a fundamental understanding of, of basic lighting principles, which is what I cover with the natural light piece. I see. I see. This is all good. Let's, uh, before we continue and talk about the tips, I mean, we, we've sort of led into the course here. So what will what will people, you know, if, if someone goes over, uh, what I'll do is I actually, we, we've got a short link. If you go to mbp.ac slash plol, then you'll be able to go over and and get the, you know take a look at the course and we'll give you a discount code and everything later so um it hopefully you'll you'll uh, be able to go and check that out uh, but if people go what are they going to find what what does the course actually contain um well it actually physically contains 25 video lessons uh, we had a professional video crew uh, tape us while we taught and uh, over 250 pages of written notes. They get cheat sheets. Every lesson comes with an exercise. Um, I'm a big believer in doing piece. Um, in my classroom, we will learn a principle of something, and then I give them an exercise, and we go practice that thing together in the classroom. Mm. So the course is really designed um, to work through you know, one principle at a time, all the way from the really basic beginner stuff like your camera settings, uh, the exposure triangle, and it may Maybe a review for some people, you know, that have, are familiar with those things into quality of light, which, you know, we're going to talk about today, um, direction of light, lighting patterns for portraits, and then, you know, advanced things like the inverse square law and the properties of, of additive flash and things like that, you know, balancing your flash and ambient light on location, which is a big question we get a lot of as well. So we go all the way from the really beginner concepts up to more advanced stuff, one piece at a time um, with really, really good instruction in terms of explaining things slowly and notes to go along with it and then an exercise to go and practice that thing. Yeah, that's really well structured. It's, uh, you've, you've done a great job of that. So, Thanks, Martin. Um, tell us, let, let's talk then. I mean, the quality of light. That's, I, I can almost hear our mutual friend, Fred, Frederick Van <laughs> Johnson, starting to talk about <laughs> photons and things now. Um, and, you know, so, so light... Light is is obviously it's it's the most important thing for photography, uh, even night photography. Without the without the spots of light and stuff, it doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. So so let's talk mm -hmm. about the quality of light. What does it what does it mean to you when when someone you say the quality of light? Okay, that's a really good question. So quality of light, to me, um, I mean, obviously, people know what the quantity of light is, so how much light there is and how much light is going to be hitting your camera sensor, right, which mm. is going to determine your exposure. But the quality of light is a bit more, you know, kind of ethereal, right? Um, yeah. It's in terms of what is the good light, right? And you might heard, you might say, okay, portraits need to be done in the good light. Well, what is that exactly? Mm. Most of the time, when you hear portrait photographers talk about good light, they're talking about something called soft light. Yeah. So, quality of light has to do with actually the size of the light source. Okay? Mm. So, a soft light 
is very large. Mm. So think large soft box, large reflector, um, large, you know, window um, without, you know, direct sun coming in. Think yeah. um, open sky or big cloudy day with a with the big cl- overcast sky. Mm. All of those are examples of a soft light source because they're very large. So the light source is actually very spread out. Um, what that does is uh, produces a characteristic of light that is less harsh. Um, so the edges of the shadows are, are almost minimized, right? So if you look at a soft light, um, if you've ever been out on an overcast day and you look at the ground and you try and find your shadow, sometimes it's not even there, okay? Yeah. That's really soft light, right? Your shadow is almost blending in with the rest of the surroundings, okay? So it's a lot more flattering for portraits than the opposite, which is hard light. Yeah. So hard light. Um, is a very small light source or one that is proportionally very far away. I like to give the sun as an example because the sun is actually, you know, how many millions of miles? It's a giant ball of fire, but because it's so far away, it's proportionally very small. Um, Your camera flash or um, a bare bulb of any kind or the, the... pure sun are all hard light sources and then when you go and stand in the hard light in the sun for example you get harsh contrast you get deep shadows and bright highlights often where you're not able to retain detail in both areas your subject is going to be squinting Um, it also picks up a lot of texture and highlights every bump and wrinkle and blemish and imperfection Mm -hmm. that your your model or your subject has so it's not the most flattering light ever However, the one thing that I teach my students about quality of light is neither is right or wrong. It's about knowing what you want to do with it, Mm. right? So if you're taking a portrait of, you know, okay, your spouse, for example, or your mother, right? She probably doesn't want to have her skin texture enhanced by hard lighting, right? So if you want to flatter her, you want to get her into into the shade or into the soft lighting condition, mm. right? If you want to create a character portrait of, say, uh, let's say you got an old cowboy with a beard and he's got you know grizzled a grizzled hard edge look to his face, and you want to create a character portrait, then maybe you want a little bit harder, edgier look to your portrait with hard light. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, a rock and roll, you know, a band, right, a, a punk band or a rock band that wants an edgy portrait, maybe hard light with deep shadows as well. Uh, maybe a business portrait that he wants to look more powerful, right, because that can have more drama, could be hard light. Mm-hmm. So there are instances where you might want either, and it's about knowing which is appropriate for the type of portrait that you're doing. Okay, so if we're out in the in the open sunlight and you know we've got a really harsh sun on a on a clear day what can people do mm-hmm. to um to to soften the light what sort of techniques can they can they use okay that's a great question i'm glad you asked because um one of the things that i like to to teach is to work smarter not harder right so i mean the very simplest thing to do is to get out of the sun um and a lot of times i'll hear well there isn't any shade anywhere well there has to be some somewhere um even at midday if you look at you know tall trees or a bank of tall trees Mm. um or a building for example like in in cities even an old barn in the middle of a field 
at least two sides are always going to be in shadow, um, you know, because the sun can only come from one direction, right? So yeah. get on the side that is in shadow and get your subject into into the shade. Um, another way is to to find a doorway or a porch or something and get underneath there because that will block your overhead light as well. Um, and a third option is you can actually try and diffuse the sun. Not my favorite option. Um, that's working a little harder than, you know, I prefer the smarter way. Um, working harder would be to start getting out reflectors and, you know, using a translucent reflector and putting it in front of the sun to make a, you know, a shadow on your subject and diffuse it and bring out, you know, flashes and things like that. Um, I like to work simple, so I like to go with as little gear as possible and um, not meaning I'm going to get not as good a light, but I'm going to work. Um, I focus more on working with my subject. Mm -hmm. I have good lighting, but I work smarter so that it simplifies things. And I also find that, you know, oftentimes bringing a lot of stuff, um, especially when you're you're just beginning, tends to, you can confuse yourself, mm -hmm. right? Um, so follow the KISS principle and literally just get in the shade. It's that simple. Mm. Okay, so what I'm going to, I'm going to uh, sort of add something here because uh, what you what you're saying there is assuming that you can move the subject, um, and so ah. so I I actually the reason I'm going to say this is so that I want to avoid confusion because last week I was actually <laughs> taught I was actually talking about um, how I use translucent uh, diffusers for photographing flowers, and of course unless you mm -hmm. unless you're prepared to get a very angry park keeper for for ripping the flower up, you can't move it into the shade. So it really depends right, what right. you're photographing. <laughs> but if we're talking about people and you've got the opportunity people. to move them, then for sure that's it, it's much it's much yes. better. It actually your what you're saying here, darling, reminds me of um, I was in uh, Namibia last year, and we we pulled up at a gas station in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden there was mm. like five or six kids came from nowhere and we we couldn't resist uh, you know photographing them and we actually took them over the, to the other side of the road and stood them by a, uh, you know to, in a, against a wall where they or mm -hmm. by the side of a wall where there was a little bit of shade um it just you know it it just makes the the whole thing look so much better um so when you can mm -hmm. move the subject uh, get them in the shade it's a great bit of advice um, yeah. Well, and I mean, you mentioned, you know, shooting at midday. The other option is that if you have the luxury of coming back later mm. and working with your subjects later later in the day, then you have that that t period of time that's called the golden hour, which all photographers love, when the sun is lower in the sky and, you know, you get a better direction of light, you get a better quality of light because it's, it's actually the sun is more diffused when it's low on the horizon mm. because it's coming through more, more of our atmosphere. Yeah. Um, so you'll get a different quality of light as well. Yeah, yeah. All great, great advice here. So let's see, we've got, We've got the, you know, we're going to either diffuse it or we're going to we're going to use the shade. Is there anything else? I mean, do you do you ever? I know that this is the other part of your course, but you so you never use like off camera flash unless I do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. Um, in some cases, like uh, let's do an extreme example. Um, you know, if I'm setting up a family portrait or something, and I will work at golden hour whenever possible. Mm. Um, 
I was doing a, a portrait um, last summer, and we set up, and we had um, literally minutes to photograph before it started pouring rain. And there was there was almost no direction of light. It was really overhead because it was all overcast, and I didn't like what was happening on their eyes because you get those dark eye sockets, yeah. right? Um, so in that case, I did set up an off-camera flash, and I actually had my assistant just hold the flash and bounce it into a, li- a large 42-inch reflector, mm-hmm. which then became a light source. So we bounced into a white reflector, you know, five feet in front of the subjects, kind of off to the side a bit, mm. and that became my, my light source and filled in their eyes and gave a really nice, soft, directional light. So the other thing, you know, we've, we've got, we've talked about there, the reflector, but obviously that can be used to reflect the sunlight as well. If you've, if you've got a, mm-hmm. a strong sunlight, do you ever just use a reflector like that? Yeah, sometimes. Um, I mean, another ideal kind of situation is um, imagine you have a bank of trees and you put your subject in the shade. Um, oftentimes, if a lot of times when I'm shooting in, in that situation, I'll bring the reflector sort of, usually I'm working with the reflector kind of to the side, maybe 30 degrees from camera, mm. and it's fairly close to the subjects. In yeah. my classroom, my, my students are often surprised how close the reflector is to people mm. because it goes back to that size of the light source thing again. The farther you back it off, it starts getting smaller again proportionally. Mm. Mm. So you keep it as close as you can um, to keep it nice and soft. But if you can just pick up a little bit of the sun Sort of if you're, you know, if reflectors in the edge of the sun and you pick up a little bit of that, you don't want to use a silver or a gold because then you're just going to blind them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, pick up a little bit of that with the white, you can get actually a really nice direction of light, you know, mm. uh, from, from one side and make like a really nice um, loop lighting or, or nice lighting pattern on their face, which is also something, you know, we talk about lighting patterns in the course. Um, another thing that people can do is if you have the bright sun, and, you know, you don't have anywhere else to work. Let's say you're in the desert and there's no trees. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. what are you going to do, right? Yeah. And there's no buildings and there's no trees. We're talking extreme examples here. In that case, then I probably would use fill flash or I would use, you know, off-camera flash. But I would backlight the subject with the sun. So I would mm. put the sun behind them and use the, the fill light or the off-camera flash in the front. So I'm still not lighting them with that harsh sun. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Um, have you, do you have a gel? I'm, I'm kind of going back to my own. I don't use a lot of, uh, I, I have, I actually use my own, um, studio lighting, but in the field, I, I have used speed lights, but not that often. And what I'm doing here is I'm recalling one time when I did it and I actually put some, I actually used an orange gel, um, a, a mm-hmm. piece of plastic that goes over the front of the filter. Yep. And I did mm-hmm. that to basically, it was the middle of the day. We were in the shade, but we wanted it to look like the people were sitting out on a cafe mm-hmm. uh, on the balcony at sunset. So I, mm-hmm. I gelled the the speed light. Uh, have you? Do you ever do anything like that? Um, not a whole lot. Um, mm. The only time that I would tend to to gel something is if I need to balance with like a room light, for example. You mm. know, like um, if you're in an indoor situation and you've got uh, tungsten light bulbs or um, incandescent light bulbs, they're very orange, yeah. right? If you add flash, your flash is very blue, so there's this imbalance between the two. Yeah. So if you 
gel your flash orange like you did and then set your camera to actually the tungsten white balance, you'll get a really nice white balance on everything. So that would be the only time I would I would I would personally gel mm, my mm. my lights. I think um, that's what we were originally for, isn't it? The yeah, for most balancing. Gels are, yeah, but then you yeah. can go to um, extremes and get like, you know, red and blue gels that are really brightly colored. And I actually use those more at night. Um, like if you're doing painting with light or something like that. And then you can kind of create some really funky looks at night if you're you know, painting an old barn or using a flash to light up the side of a barn or something with mm. with a red or a blue gel is kind of fun. I see. Yeah, that's that's all nice, uh, nice and creative. I love it. We're actually talking quite a lot about uh, you know we're, we're touching on the five tips that you have here, so we'll have to sort that out later. But uh, <laughs> the, before we get to that, can you give us a uh, a few just quick examples of the sort of techniques that are covered in your courses. You know, that you know, I know that we've talked r- briefly about this, but, you know, if we can get like a few bullet points of what people can expect from the, because there's 25, sure, 25 sure. video lessons. There's, lessons I'm sure there's yes. lots of stuff in there. There's lots of stuff in there. Um, one of the things that is not any one particular lesson, but we cover um, kind of throughout when we're working with the model is posing tips. So um, I will give posing tips on how to direct people, how to put them into positions, what looks flattering and what doesn't, and mm-hmm. that type of thing. So that's um, that's one aspect that's not one of the 25, but it's kind of covered in um, some length throughout. Mm-hmm. And we also, we also talk a lot about uh, application, which goes back to the exercises. And I can't stress enough that, you know, you could read all the books in the world, you can watch all the videos in the world, but if you're trying to learn to ride a bicycle, mm. you got to get on the bicycle, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> so, you know, you, you touched on there, um, you mentioned posing, and I know that a lot of people, they they get all of the gear, they, they mm-hmm. get the technique right, and then they they go on site and and I'm I'm actually speaking from uh, from experience as well, uh, and you, you all of a sudden realise that you don't really know how to pose someone. I think that that's a skill mm. within itself. I I actually mm-hmm. I'm actually I, I remember my first portrait shoot, and I don't do a lot of this, but my, my first portrait shoot, I I read up a little bit. But then I realized afterwards that I really need to work on that. So I bought a number of books mm-hmm. on po- just on posing. Um, so it's great that you've got that in there. I think it's something that people overlook until they, they really need that skill. Well, and if I could take it a step farther, mm. um, you know, you could read all these great books, and there's actually apps and ebooks and all kinds of stuff mm. on, you know, list, lists of poses or diagrams of poses. Mm. But it's one thing, again, to see those and then try and get your model or your subject <laughs> yeah. into that pose. Yeah. Right. So there's actually an art to communicating with people. And sure. that's something that you see us do in the video. And, and granted, we're working with uh, professional models in a couple of cases, but on one of our shoots, um, we go out at Gold an hour and we do a shoot with a couple actually it's my cousin and her husband so Mm. it's just regular people and you see how I interact with them and how I get a couple to pose in the main in the way that I want them to pose without them feeling awkward or stupid or that they're doing it wrong Mm. Um, and it's it's actually quite easy but it's something that does take practice and you have to just do it to feel comfortable with it because a lot of people 
I mean, don't the people that are being photographed don't know what to do with their hands, right? So you mm-hmm. know, they put them in their pockets or yeah. do the fig leaf thing or whatever, or they sit <laughs> uncomfortably because they're nervous. And then, as a new photographer, you know, you're probably nervous as well. So then, uh, you know, nerves and nerves equals not good posing. Right? <laughs> so it's just it just takes practice and and talking. Um, the biggest thing I, I tell my students is when you're getting started, just talk to your subject. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what you say. You know, while you're setting up your gear, there's sitting there twiddling their thumbs going oh gee i wonder if i look good they're not talking to me am i doing something wrong um just talk to them you know Mm. ask them what did you do yesterday you know or did you see such and such movie or whatever um Mm. and just to chat like you would you were having coffee and then when you're ready to shoot you know you've been having a conversation and you're just continue with the rapport Mm. you know you're reminding me of a few things here again um i i know that whenever i I do portrait shoots. I one of the best moments for me are often when we're we're shooting and they're all they're all stiff and you know even after you've got the model a little bit loosened up and they're and they're being more natural and then just talking and then in the conversation um, and this really depends on the rapport and and the person but in the conversation you say something that makes them laugh and often that laugh that that moment when they burst into laughter is is golden you know and it, it i think the thing the thing to note here is that when when you do that be aware of what you're saying and if mm-hmm. you're going to make if you're going to make mm-hmm. a joke don't lower the camera as you make your joke cuz <laughs> cuz no, if, if it if it does yeah if it does ring ring with them and they, and they actually burst into laughter you want to capture that so that's a that's a technique that I I figured out because again, initially I said something funny and the the model uh, it, it wasn't a model it was a, it, a, the subject um, burst into laughter and I had my camera down and I said oh and I had to and I got I got the laughter but I realised I thought you know if you're going to do that you need to be ready to capture that moment so mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah that's, well one of the other things that I actually recommend is mm. to use a tripod. Um, and, and I work with a lot of window light, which, you know, sometimes is necessary on a tripod because of the slower shutter speeds. You don't have as much, you know, quantity of light either. Mm. But the other reason that I recommend using a tripod, and, mm. you know, unless you're photographing kids that are running around or doing some more sort of spontaneous stuff, is it gets the camera away from your face, mm. right? So as the, as the subject, they're looking into a lens, right? Yeah. They're already nervous. Um, being photographed is right up there with public speaking for a lot of people in terms of, of fears and nerves. Yeah. And when they're staring into a camera, it's more unnerving than talking with a person, right? Mm. Um, so just having your your face above the camera and talking to them on their, you know, their level, they're looking at you. So they might be looking slightly above the camera, which in many cases is actually better because, you know, you're going to eliminate double chins and things like that, Mm. which also we talk about, you know, posing to flatter people in that way too. Mm. Um, But when they're looking at you and interacting with you, I use a cable release or a remote trigger to press the shutter, right? So Mm. I can be firing away and I'm not even touching the camera, right? So I'm waiting for this moment, sure. Yeah, I think if if you unless you're shooting really tight when you you that you know they if they move slightly then they're going to go out but unless unless you're doing that if you're shooting with a a little bit of room then that's great advice I I totally mm-hmm. I totally get that um I I usually shoot handheld when I'm doing portraiture but it, it does mean that what I end up doing is if I'm going to communicate with them, I lower the camera down slightly so that they can see my face. I never talk through the camera. Right. Um, but, yeah, right. using a tripod is, is great advice. 
let's go to these five tips. I know that we've already covered a lot okay. of them. Um, we've already touched well, on this. Well, let's put them in order now. Yeah, let's put it in order and sort of make, put some logic around that stuff. Okay. So I've got um, what I call like my five steps to making a good outdoor portrait, right? Mm. So step number one, we talked about finding the good light, right? So that means for midday, getting out of the sun. Ideally, mm. if you have the luxury, photographing at, you know, golden hour or um, golden hour happens twice a day. I'm not a morning person, but there is golden hour in the morning for those of you early birds as well. <laughs> <laughs> Number two is look at your background. Um, I can't say how many times I've seen a really good portrait ruined by a busy or distracting background, mm. right? So just because your subject is in the shade, if your background has um, a really bright area or an area high contrast or something that's, you know, a red flower or bush or something in the background, that's going to draw your attention away mm. from the subject, Right, so make sure that your background isn't distracting and it's adding to the portrait, not taking away from your subject. Right. Yeah, yeah. So generally, for me, that means my background is also in the shade. Right. Mm, mm. Number three is look at the direction of light. Right. So we we're in the shade, so we've got soft light, which is our quality of light. Direction of light is the next piece, which is where is it coming from? Right. I mentioned overhead, which is going to give you dark eye sockets. If it's coming from overhead, how can you fix it? Can you get underneath a big tree that arches over? Can you get under a porch? Or if you don't have those things, can you put a black reflector over their head and block that overhead light? Right. Yeah, yeah. Or can you bring a reflector in to add light from the front to counteract, you know, the overhead light? Mm. Right, um, which leads me into number four. Another piece of looking for the direction is something called open shade. Right, mm. so open shade is kind of a bit of a funny name because um, what it is is if you imagine you're the subject and you're looking out back towards the camera, most of the the scene is going to be covered by let's say trees or bushes or something, and one area is opened. So mm. imagine you're in the forest and the subject is sitting in the meadow, but there's one area that doesn't have trees. Well, that's where the light's going to come from, right? Mm, yeah. So you can see where the direction of light is going to come because it's open. So it's open shade. Like I said, it's a weird name, right? Mm, yeah. um, so I look for those types of situations a lot. Um, there's a favorite place that I like to photograph in my own city where there's this little path that goes down this hill, and mm. it's exactly that situation. Um, the sun is setting, and the river valley is off to our right, and there's an opening in the trees, and I know the light's going to come right from there. Mm. So I know exactly where to put my subject, and the light's going to come from that direction and give me a beautiful soft light, so quality, and a beautiful direction. Right. Mm. So part of that is, you know, when you work in the same location many times, you get to know that too. Yeah, right? yeah. And then the last thing we already mentioned, which is, you know, work smarter, not harder. Mm. Um, you certainly can bring off-camera, off-camera off flash into the into the picture and, you know, overcompensate, overpower the sun. Uh, you can bring in reflectors and, you know, do all these things. And in our course, we talk about both options mm. uh, because people sometimes want, you know, what can I do in this situation? So we actually have one lesson where we're photographing indoors uh, where I put my model in the middle of a room and I'm photographing her with natural light, but we had the problem that I described earlier where there's bright windows behind her so they're they're actually blasted out you know blown out mm. and so my fix to it is to find a new background and I simply moved around inside the room using the natural light and I avoided the windows in my background mm. when my partner Bruce 
takes over and he's showing the flash portion of that lesson, he actually adds flash to balance it and still use the windows in the shot, but still get, get some detail outdoors in the windows and light up the subject with the off-camera flash. Mm-hmm. So we show, show both ways. I yep. personally like to work, like I said, smarter not harder. Yeah. Well, that's that's great advice because, you know, the the harder you work, the more laborious it becomes. And, and if you're ca- carrying a lot of gear around with you, then depending on yeah. what you're doing, I mean, if you're working out of a car, then take as much as you as much as you need or as much as you want. But, you know, quite a lot of the time um, with photography, if you if you take too much gear, you end up weighing yourself down and you, you get tired more quickly and the hotel starts to become, or, or your car or your home starts to become a lot more appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, making making your life easier definitely uh, helps to make make more more photography and better photography. Mm-hmm. So, it's uh, especially it's when you're just beginning. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you're just beginning, because you know you got to walk before you can run, or crawl before you can walk. You know all these little baby steps, right? Mm. And um, learn. This is why we do the progression in the course that we do, which is learn to work with the natural light first, mm. learn to see light, learn to see the patterns of light, and then when you bring flash into the mix, um, you know what to do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, starting with all of that stuff can be confusing as well. Um, but you know, you've you've just reminded me. I keep coming up with these things that you're reminding me of. Um, do you ever use a light meter? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, generally, whenever I'm using off-camera flash, is when I'm going to use my handheld light meter. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's that's also something that, like I said, we talk about in the course. Um, the light meter is going to give you what's called an incident reading, whereas your camera gives you a reflective reading. So mm. um, it's able to measure the light falling on the subject, mm. not bouncing off of it. So number one, it gives you a more accurate reading, but it also allows you to measure your off-camera flash independent of mm. the ambient light, which yeah. is really important when you're trying to balance the two. Yeah, good stuff. I... Uh... I use one myself when I'm setting up my, um, the thing is, is with, when you're just photographing these days, I don't think they're as necessary because the, you know, you've got a, the camera with with the instant uh, confirmation you get on the back of the camera, you can set Mm -hmm. the exposure really, really easily. But when you start to introduce flash, I find it much more useful because you, you really, you know, I can actually stand. I, I normally set up four studio lights. I have a pro photo, pro photo system that I, I set up. I've got soft boxes and I've got umbrellas mm-hmm. and backgrounds. And I know exactly where I'm going to stand the, the subjects or the models. And so I just go through and, and pop off the, uh, a few test flashes with the, yeah, I actually set it up so that I've got a, a connector, um, a, a trans, a transmitter on the, uh, on the meter. And so when I press the test button, it fires the flashes and I can go and test exactly how strong each of the flashes is in comparison to where the person's going to be. So, yeah, I I find it really useful when I'm doing when I'm using flash and um, not so much these days for just general photography. Yeah, agreed. And um, I think a lot of times beginners will, you know, get I see this in my class as well. They'll get uh, a speed light and put it on TTL. You know, mm. and then put it on the camera on TTL and take it off camera on TTL. And I find that, you know, TTL is great when it gives you what you want. Mm. But as soon as it's not giving you what you want, 
it's it's if you don't understand how it's working, mm. it's really hard to fix it, right? That's, so working in manual flash is my preferred mode. Yeah, you know, f- for me, uh, with my slightly older pro photos, that's the only way I can work. But it it suits me fine because I. When I've, it's the same with my, I, I shoot in manual mode for 99.9% of, of my photography anyway, uh, even with natural mm-hmm. light. And so for me, I like to just set the exposure and then forget about it. Unless the light changes, I can forget about it. And that's the mm-hmm. same with flash for me. I, I just like to, to set it up. And then unless I actually change a setting and need to adjust the flash, I, I just set it up and forget it. I can, I can shoot for, a, quite a long time without ha- actually having to change anything but if you're working with uh, with ettl then the moment i mean your subject gets slightly bigger in the in the mm-hmm. the frame compared to the background or anything like that it's going to change the settings so you're you're constantly sure. having to check and that's that yeah. does become a little bit of a pain so yeah totally yeah. agreed okay well Let's uh, let's start to wrap it up, Darlene. I've I've really enjoyed the conversation. I think it's been really useful. Um, oh, good. As what what we're gonna do? Uh, I know that you're you're having a sale next week, right? On for your uh, for your for your we new are. product. Yeah, we are. Um, it's it's technically our official launch week, uh, December eighth to twelfth. Hmm. So the regular price course is $149 and between the 8th and 12th it's going to be on sale for 99 99 bucks and that and that's canadian cuz i'm in canada so if you're in in the states it's even less than that <laughs> yeah so i i actually just slipped up thinking about it cuz we're recording this the week before but this is going to go live on the 8th so so from today when the listeners, if yes. if you're quick on quick on the mark, if you're listening to this on the eighth <laughs> or before the twelfth, then you can get the the whole the whole course for ninety nine bucks. Um, but Darlene's also been kind enough to provide us with a code. So after the twelfth of December two thousand fourteen, you can still get twenty five percent off if you use the code MBP twenty five. And to get all of this, if you follow the short link mbp.ac slash plol then you'll go directly over to the to the page and um just use the code mbp25 for a 25 percent discount and plol stands for portrait lighting on location plol i've really enjoyed the conversation darlene it's it's always a pleasure me too yeah so uh, what we'll what we'll do is uh, like i say this will go out on the 8th and uh, I, I do hope the listeners enjoy it. I'm sure you will. Um, but let us know as well. I mean, the, the comment section is below, and I'm sure that Darlene will be checking that. So if you have any questions, is there anywhere where people can go directly to contact you? Obviously, you're on Twitter and, and various places like that. Um, yeah, uh, the best the best place is uh, my website, which is digitalphotomentor.com. There's uh, the contact form at the top. Um, you can also find me on Google+. I'm fairly active on there, um, or my Facebook page. I'm all over the place. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll put links to your all of your social um, social accounts and that in the bottom of the in the the blog post, and the blog cool. post will be at mbp.ac/slash451 for episode 451. So thanks again, Darlene. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, thanks for having me. Not at all, and and stay stay um, stay safe, no, safe travels, and uh, enjoy the rest of your time time in Nicaragua. Thanks so much.
Okay. Cool. Good stuff. Thanks, Darlene. All right. And, okay. Thanks, Martin. Speak. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye bye. I really enjoyed that conversation, and I hope you did too. Thanks very much for listening today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share a link with your friends. And if you don't already, please subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast program to ensure uninterrupted delivery. You can find me on Google+, Twitter and Facebook, etc. And links to everything that I'm up to are at martinbaileyphotography.com, so do drop by and take a look. I'll be back next week with another episode, but in the meantime, you take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye.